Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Today is the 63rd day of our Commit to Sit. Just getting juicy. Me, I don't know if you've been having this experience, but I feel the deepening and our, the teachings from Dogen for me are so penetrating and so helpful and instructive. Yesterday, a kind of amazing uh, convergence happened where a friend of ours, a neighbor in our building, helped us by saying, oh, you ever want to visit someone, you can use our car. And so after five months, we after five months, we were able to go and visit our teacher. And so we got to spend the day with Diane Sensei and her amazing two acre garden. It was so extraordinary to, her garden has always been amazing to me and to see, you know, in her 91st year, what she is creating. And she is the steward of this land and She's brought so much vitality to it and she brings her full self to, and she knows each area and every area is so well tended and also wild and lush and watered and cared for. And like that is a big part of her practice is like to be out there in the world caring for her area and making it so beautiful. And just made me really think about how, you know, we can get very contracted in our idea, you know, for sure. Like she could say like, well, I'm 91, my energy's less, and, you know, call it a day, you know. But she has actually, we've known her a very long time and she feels more energetic <laughs> Now than uh, I've ever experienced her actually. And it was amazing to see. And she's always had for years had problems with deer in her garden. And she's taken to, she has this bell now and she runs out into the garden when the deer come and rings the bell, rings the bell. And 
And so she's protecting her garden and she's like, and sending the deer somewhere else. They can go somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, I just love that image of her running out into the garden with her bell. And uh, how well she is tending that garden. Her space, her widening space. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So it was, I was really been reflecting on that, this poem that, you know, I had a pleasure of knowing Robert Bly for many years and a wonderful poet and translator and being. And he, I remember over 30 years ago, I heard him read this poem and it just shattered me in such a great way, it still does. And it's by a wonderful Spanish poet named Antonio Machado. And it's called The Wind, One Brilliant Day. And some of you know I love this poem very much, so very often it comes back <laughs> in new ways for me. The wind one brilliant day called to my soul with the odor of jasmine. In return for the odor of my jasmine, I'd like the odor of all your roses. I have no roses, all the flowers in my garden are dead. Well then, I'll take the withered petals and the yellow leaves and the waters of the fountain. And the wind left and I wept and I said to myself, what have you done with the garden that was entrusted to you? And I remember hearing that, I was, I don't know, I think around 17 when I heard that poem for the first time. And it really was this moment where it reminded me of, I was talking with someone this morning and they were talking about that they've known about practice a long time. <laughs> and yet they actually, for the last period of time, have really committed to the practice, committed to Sangha, committed to a teacher, you know, the, how that has actually changed them. And the whole different thing about um, having something, like having this garden, but are, what are you doing with it, right? What are you actually doing? Which in many ways is really the heart of our practice. It's easy to have or know about something. We've actually had this experience also with our apartment during this time. Like, what is all of this stuff? Because <laughs> suddenly we're like much more intimate with it. And it's like, what? <laughs> and uh, kind of amazing to start paying closer and closer attention to the specificity of what inhabits our lives. What are we doing with the garden that's entrusted to us? 
So as Dogen has talked about throughout this um, essay, fascicle, fascicle is such a funny word, but it's a essay, writing, teaching. And as he does in many places, and he talks about gratitude for the lineage. Uh, so to me, it's also the garden is also, um, think about Diana and you know that she has had this garden for a long time. And in many ways, the teachings have been around a bit longer than her garden, perhaps in that form around 2,600 years. And so then we, we've inherited this garden. We might now know about the garden, the Buddha Dharma garden. And it's one thing to say like, well, I wish it was this way or I wish it was that way or I wish my life was a little different and then I could fit it in better and, you know. <laughs> But how do we, how do we take care of it? What do we do with it? I remember when I was a kid, there was a commercial that for Wendy's, this like fast food, <laughs> like this woman was like, where's the beef? Where's the beef? And I feel like in many ways, it's such a great question in terms of like, where, where's the beef of our practice? Where is the, the meat, where's the bones, where's the marrow, as Dogen has been talking about. And as Bodhidharma was so interested in, right? So today the reading was that thoughtful people in the world express gratitude for receiving gold, silver, and rare treasures. They also express gratitude for receiving kind words. So when you get stuff, <laughs> thank you. Chodo actually has this really beautiful practice always that, um, that I so appreciate about like always sending thank you cards when we can. expressing gratitude for receiving kind words. And for me, it's also like the thinking about Diane's garden and like how her actions are an expression of that kind of gratitude. She's so grateful to have that space. You know, she moved out there, <laughs> you know, over 50 years ago and to the Hamptons, which now is like a whole different situation, but it's, when she moved out there, it was just farms and people thought she was insane moving from Manhattan to the farmland. The gratitude. And then he says, who can forget the great gift of seeing and hearing the Tathagata's unsurpassable true dharma? Who can forget that? Well, I think the response often is all of us can forget the Tathagata's true meaning. So easy to forget that. And what's also beautiful, it's so easy to remember. 
and begin again. And to me also the richness of caring for our own garden of practice is that we can have Sangha members and be like, hello. Again, my teacher is like, mm. are you caught in your thinking? As she said to me yesterday. <laughs> so great. And then he says, being aware of this itself is the rare treasure of a lifetime. So being aware of it, you know, is treasure of a lifetime. You know, I would also add to that as saying be aware and how you function is the gratitude. To me, the gratitude is often, it's helpful to have the awareness, but if we don't actually function with that awareness, then we can be quite lost and lonely, which is not hard to do. No one has to practice being lost and lonely or separate. Cohen reminded me this morning, it's about bringing it together, bringing it together. Oneness and difference. All we have to do is remember to bring it together. No one has to practice difference, not so much. I feel like that's so much about what the teachings of Black Lives Matter right now also is. You know, that I think we're so into the difference and forgetting that it's part of our work, part of our practice. Acknowledging our inconceivable ignorance and the harm that comes from our inconceivable and endless ignorance. And to me, what's joyful actually is just to realize, like not to be defensive about it, just be like, oh my goodness, I'm so ignorant and my ignorance Oh, causes suffering. And then he says, when you become a, oh, no, sorry. Before that, he says, the bones and skulls of those who did not turn back. The bones and skulls of those who did not turn back from this continuous practice are enshrined in seven treasure pagodas given respect and offering by humans and devas. Where are these pagodas? Can you pull one out of your front pocket? Can you pull that pagoda of appreciation out of right where you are for these people who didn't turn back when it got challenging or when they didn't like something. Mm -hmm. 
my Zumi Roshi used to, you know, one time was talking to one of his students and said to them, he was weeping and they were like, Roshi, why are you weeping? And he said, oh, it's just, ah, it's so rare that people stay with their training. He just wept about that. we don't have to practice turning back you know most of us you know have at least that impulse to contract and pull back but i always like to remind everyone that like no one would go to the movies or now we don't go to the movies we see movies no one would watch a movie where the person was like oh this is hard and went back home went to bed (laughs) like nobody would watch that Imagine the Odyssey. (laughs) Odysseus is like, oh, that's too hard. I'm going to go back home. We probably still wouldn't be reading that. Or Basho's amazing, you know, pilgrimages, you know, and his books about those pilgrimages. And like, imagine if he was like, oh, that's a little rainy. I'm going to go back home. this is what he's talking about it's like to meet what is uncomfortable to meet what you don't like and be enter it has something to teach us something of great value and it's definitely true for me Then he says, when you become aware of such a great gift, you should attentively repay the mountain of benevolence without allowing your life to disappear like a dewdrop on the grass. This is continuous practice. You know. I talk about it all the time and just the teachings of people who are dying is always like, you know, what was I thinking? Like, what did I hold back? (sighs) Like how many of us just keep turning back and the great regret of that later on, of turning back. hard it's scary so what life is hard and scary that's part of it what else is it Dogen's reminding us and he's kind of echoing the Diamond Sutra where at the end of the Diamond Sutra, you know, they talk about, you know, that our life is like a dewdrop, like a bubble in a stream, like a flash of lightning in a summer cloud. Don't waste it. 
He says, the power of this practice means that you yourself practice as an ancestor of the Buddhas. Being at one with Shakyamuni Buddha. Not seeing a difference. From Mahapajapati, the Buddha's stepmother, who we've now brought in finally to our dedication. The Buddha refused to ordain. And as many of you know, that she led the first women's march 2,600 years ago, 500 women who really wanted to not turn back. And they sat at the gate of the Buddha's monastery and waited to be let in, have their vows recognized. Mm. Not turning back. Another one of those occasions where I wrote lots of notes. <laughs> it's a nice practice writing notes and throwing them out. That would be a really interesting thing to point out. Who cares? How about the live moment? You know, many of us have these encounters where we, you know, so much we're in our head so much before an encounter and then we have the encounter and then because we don't know how to incorporate all the things that we thought we were going to say and feel. Ah, what about just letting it all be a surprise? <laughs> When I was a kid, there was this like cool martial arts movie called Entering the Dragon, which I was like really into the title too. And well, what's that about? Brits Bruce Lee. And uh <laughs> and in that movie, you know, I just remember him saying, you know, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. I was like, wow, what is that about? <laughs> I mean, this is actually from the Suragama Sutra. That image is from some people associated with Dogen, but actually Dogen just appreciated the Sutra very much. And so many of the things that Dogen references are referencing texts that he studied. So in the Suragama Sutra, it talks about, you know, that image of like pointing a finger pointing to the moon and not to be tricked by the finger. And also realize that we don't arrive at the moon very often. But it's about a direction, it's about a vow. So teachers and Sangha, you know, to me, the whole role of them is to point. But who cares about their finger really? You have to really find what's true for you 
And trust your experience more than your ideas. It's so funny, you know, giving talks is so it's hilarious in a way because it's a, you know, when you part of it, I like to refer to this often because it's a, a big part of the Dharma transmission ceremony when you're empowered to give, be a teacher and, and it's really that you're inher inheriting the family shame and the shame of like saying like just like there's not a lot to say really it's like we have to like get down to it <laughs> we just have to manifest our life and the life of zazen everywhere and to realize that practice I had the pleasure of talking to this um amazing person who's from Laos and he was sharing about, you know, in the Laotian culture that it's very funny because he grew up in a Buddhist culture. And when he came to the West, people would talk about practice and they would talk about it when they're on their, as he said, the pillow. He said, but it's how you live. It's everything. And it's, you know, our experience too in spending lots of time in Japan, like it's just how you live. The mind of Zazen, as Dogen, is so interested in. And as I like to remind us all and remind myself, is like that in this text about continuous practice, very few stories about people sitting in Zazen. <laughs> Lots of stories about people functioning in their lives. Being in relationship with their teachers and community, the land, with their bodies. How can you express Gratitude for all that's been given to you today is the reflection for today. And to me, it's a really wonderful practice to like really uh, give gratitude for all that I've been given. So think about our ancestor altar right here and, and on it are our Zen ancestors and Chodo's family and my family and our family, our cats, Obi's now there after his 49th day. You know, how do we offer gratitude? And how does it feel to do that? How does it feel to have that gratitude? So let's explore that, at least for a lifetime.